forgiven. If not, repent and get it right. Get it right. I mean, that's all I'm asking every all of us to do. Change the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act. How? By being in His presence. Welcome to the Overcomers Podcast. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Of the Lord. He teaches us that. That's God teaching you in your everyday life how to deal with situations that arise up. You can't respond to everything that comes real way. You'll be angry all the time. Somebody said nothing right there. That's okay though. That is fine by me. You pretend like I don't know I'm talking about who I'm talking to. I know who I'm talking to in this sanctuary. He also promised to teach us how to deal with difficult situations. He promised to teach us how to remain faithful to him as he blesses us with increase. And you got to remain faithful to God as he blesses you, takes your finances higher, your mindset higher, your relationships higher and so forth. You got to learn how to navigate through that and not let it get, uh, get the big head and think of you more than somebody else. He promised to teach us how to love and to do good to those who may not love and do good to us. And that is such an important lesson. You got to do good to those despite what, how they treat you. Not only does he promise to teach us about this, but he also gives us an added benefit, which is an abundance of joy in the process if we remain in his presence. See, David understood that being in the presence or the face of God is a guarantee for an abundance of joy. Joy that comes with happiness, gladness, strength, regardless of what we see, hear, and reason within ourselves. We see the benefit of that over in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. So let's go over to Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. The Bible reads as follows. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's look at the latter part of that a little closer. Do not sorrow, for the joy, the rejoicing, and the gladness of the Lord is your strength. It's your refuge, it's your place of safety, it is your divine protection. See, in my opinion, the joy of the Lord releases peace, it releases protection, and it releases prosperity. It allows it or enables it to operate in our lives. See, at times the enemy or my own inward thoughts will try to paint a picture of doom, gloom, hopelessness, and helplessness. But the joy of the Lord will cause peace, prosperity, and safety to escape the bondages from my inward thoughts and cause me to see God's thoughts. See, the God's thoughts can sometimes be hid by the enemy's thoughts. So therefore, we want God's thoughts to be foremost in our lives. So when things come up, we're not thinking about doom and gloom, but we're thinking about what God is going to do in our lives. For example, we know, according to Romans 8 and 28, all things are working together for our good. Well, see, that supersedes doom and gloom because what's happening around me is working for my good. 
Are y'all seeing how the joy comes forth based on what I know? If you don't know scripture, you don't know what God is saying. You don't know what God is doing. If you're not in his presence, then you'll lie doom and gloom to override your life. And there you are sitting around with a dark, in a dark room with the blinds closed, TV off, phone off. You're just sitting there looking at the dark in doom and gloom. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah to God. His, the joy of the Lord is his gladness, his way of causing peace and prosperity to, to escape past the faults of unbelief, doubt, fear, and frustration. If you're not careful, the enemy will cause you to be frustrated. And I've been guilty of being frustrated myself. <laughs> However, we want to be in God's presence. And in order to be in God's presence, we want to be prepared as we get into his presence. In other words, prepare to worship, prepare to pray, prepare to forgive, prepare to love, prepare to seek his face and his will for my life and my household, prepare to hear his voice and follow his instructions, to prepare to serve him selflessly, prepare to yield my will to his will, prepare to give generously to him and to his house, prepare to experience his miracle working power working in me as well as through me. And prepare simply means I got to be ready. I got to be ready. I've got to be ready for what God wants to do in my life. And this is the thing that I love about this. He puts preparedness in my, in my, uh, excuse me, it's up to me to be prepared. Let me put it to you like that. I can't blame you if I'm not prepared. I can't get mad with you if I'm not prepared. I've got to do what I need to do to prepare myself. And prepare will cause me to be ready and to do well as well as to respond and handle things that come before me. In other words, being prepared helps me to deal with my everyday life. I'm I'm telling you, preparedness gets you ready. You ever notice that before you go on a job, they give you 90 days to see can you prepare to do that job? Did you did you ever notice that? That sometimes before you start a job, they're going to say 90 days. Let me see, can you prepare yourself to do this job in 90 days? If you can't, I find somebody else to pay $575 an hour too. Did that get your attention now? That's good, that's good, that's good. That's why it's important to be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. And see, preparation is a character trait that helps us deal with the everyday routines of life. And repetition helps us to prepare. Repetition helps us to prepare. You know, um, when you do, repetition helps you to prepare in everyday life. Things we expect as what, now, things that helps us to help in our, excuse me, our help in our everyday life is this. Things we expect as well as things we don't expect. Now, as you prepare, there's some things can come up in your life that you don't expect. I've lived long enough to get a bill I didn't expect. And, and, and beforehand, I used to be unprepared for it. So y'all missed that. Let me, let, let me try this again. Let me try this. Let me try this. See, when the bill came, I used to get it frustrated, mad, upset, and all that kind of stuff. Now, I just put the word on it. I said, okay, God's going to supply this need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I mean, you can't get mad at the bill. The bill just gonna come. I can't get mad at the mailman for bringing the bill. I can't get mad at the email for sending me the bill. But you know what? But I can, I can put the word on that and say, hey, you know what? God gonna prepare, he gonna, uh, supply this need just like he supplied every other need. 
And you have to, you have, you have to be prepared spiritually as well as mentally because if not, you can be frustrated, you get mad. Hey, who made this bill in this house? You know that? You be. I hope them days are over for y'all. <laughs> we should not be fussing to everybody because a bill came to the house. We deal with it because why? God gonna supply the need. Sometimes he didn't say it's not your bill. You call him and say, hey, that's not my bill. And it's not going to be your bill. I mean, when a half of God tells you to do it, he's still going to supply the need. And if it is your bill, that's $500, he's going to supply the $500. If it's five $100 payments a month for five months, it's just, that's what it is. Whatever it is, God's going to supply the need. Because his word should not return back to him void, but it's going to accomplish everything that he called to do. But you got to prepare yourself for this. You can't go in there with your flesh looking at stuff like this. You have to prepare yourself spiritually as well as mentally. Our level of preparation will usually reveal whether we're well prepared or unprepared. Situations, circumstances, or teaching tools that can be used to reveal our level of preparation for blessings and things that one may deem to appear, appear as a burden, either a blessing or a burden. See, preparation can many times be the main reason as to why we are successful at certain things or not as successful in others. Sun Tzu, S-U-N-T-Z-U is his last name. He wrote a book called The Art of War. He makes this statement. Victorious victorious warriors win first and then go to war. While defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. Let me read that to you again. Victorious warriors win first and then they go to war. In other words, they prepare themselves. They prepare themselves. While defeated warriors go to war first, then they find a a way, try to find a way to win. In other words, they don't go prepared. They get in the middle of the battle and then they start to prepare themselves. Oh my, we should have learned how to fight. You in the war now. You in the war now. Why you gonna learn how to fight now? You should have learned how to fight before the war got there. And so when he says this, he's making a statement of how important preparation is in our lives. And so we have to be mature when it comes to our thinking as relates to walking by faith and not by sight. An immature person may say, I sit and let faith do the rest. You ever seen people like that? They ain't going to prepare for nothing. They'll say, oh, yeah, I'm walking by faith. Now, I ain't got to do anything. That's not the mentality or the spiritual way it should be done. It may be partially true, but while I'm sitting, I'm meditating and applying God's written and revealed word. So, in other words, if I'm going through something, I'm going to meditate on the word of God. So, in turn, while I'm Waiting on God to do what he does. Now remember that biblical waiting means I'm doing the word while I'm waiting for the other word to come to pass in my life. I'm doing the word while I'm waiting for the other word to come to pass in my life. While I'm sitting here, I'm praying and involving God in the matter. I'm saying, God, I need you to move on this situation. I I did as much as I can do, but I I need for you to move. But while I'm waiting for God to move, I'm treating others in a godly manner. I'm treating others in a godly manner. While I'm giving, uh, while I'm waiting for God to do what he's going to do, show up and show out, I'm giving and trusting God like in Luke 6 and 38. 
to manifest as well as Malachi 3, where it teaches us to give God his tithes and a good offering. While I wait for God to move this situation out the way, to move upon this coworker, move upon this lawyer, move upon this doctor, move upon this person I'm looking to get a job with or a career with, I'm still worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Because I know that whatever happens, God got the final say so. If he wants me in this position, he's going to open up the door and no man can shut it. But if he shuts the door, no man can knock it down. And I love God about that because I remember many times in the past, he kept me out of stuff that I didn't have no business being in. Appreciate God doing that. Preparation calls us to be ready for whatever God has for us. And preparation will cause us to move and progress in life while waiting on God to fully manifest in the natural that which he has promised in his written and revealed word. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. The Bible reads as follows. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Again, for we walk or we progress or we make use of opportunities by faith. Our faith is our conviction that what God says is true. It also says this. We trust in the character of Jesus. And not by sight or our natural senses. See, I personally believe that faith and preparation work together. Faith and preparation work together. I believe that while we're limited in our level of preparation from man's perspective, Jesus is unlimited in how he prepares us in his word. He has no limits when it comes to preparing us. God knows how to prepare you for what you're going to deal with in the future. He knows how to prepare you. I'm telling you, God has been doing a perfect job for a long time. And the more I remain in his presence and prepare to learn of his word and his ways, the better equipped I am empowered to navigate spiritually, mentally, financially, emotionally, and physically, and such like. In other words, as I get in the presence of God, God is making us better in his presence. He's making us better. He's giving us, he's showing us, he is helping us to navigate, but he does this when we get in the presence of our, of our king. And I do believe the spiritual preparation through the guidance of the Holy Spirit prepares one directly as well as indirectly for every variance that arises knowingly as well as unknowingly. See, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Truth is the divine navigator that prepares us, leads us, guides us, directs us, and influences us. In other words, he knows the best route for us. He knows, and let, let me say this to you, and I'm going and don't get, take this the wrong way, but even if you get off on the wrong track, God knows how to get you back on the right track. Somebody should have said amen right there because I've been on the right track, on the wrong track, and I've been on the right track. And that wrong track, I said, oh, God, I'm on the wrong track. I have followed a GPS, and I followed it thing to T. And was going down a road, that I, it was dark. I said, this ain't the right route right here. <laughs> you know, okay, y'all about to never have that happened to you before. But God knows how to get us back on the right track. I remember I said, Lord, you're going to get me out of there because we're going down. It's a dirt road. 
There should be no dirt road going down to Florida. I know they got dirt roads, but there should be no dirt road. I should be running across going down to the beach. I'm on a dirt road. I need to touch something wrong with this picture right here. I said, God, you had to help me. Cause then that, cause the GPS says, hey, you, you about to hit the right road. I said, this ain't the right road. And so I had to say, God, you had to, and so I had to, what did it teach me? You gotta learn how to use the Holy Spirit and the GPS. Okay, well, hope you never run across that problem. I remember one time we were going to Florida, but we hit this. It said, turn down this road. That thing was dirt. It's all get out. It was no street lights or nothing. I said, oh, we're on the wrong road right here. <laughs> we're going to find another way to go. <laughs> another way to go. Now, God, the Holy Spirit, I should say, knows any derailments ahead and how to deal with any discrepancies along the way. Let's go to John 16 and 13. John 16 and verse 13. John 16 and 13 reads as follows. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So however, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to teach you. He's going to show you the way. Now, how is he going to do that? You're going to be in his presence for him to show you. Everybody see that? You're going to be in his presence for him to show you. If you're in front of me, you could tell me to go right, left, front, back, whatever. But if I'm not in your presence, then how can I, you t- direct me which way to go? How can I lead? How can you tell me to go right, left, stop, whatever, if I'm not in your presence? And this is what the Holy, one part of what the Holy Spirit is saying here. If you let me, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to guide you. And that, not only that, I like that last part. He will tell you things to come. How does he do that? He gets me in his presence. He said, Hey, dog, this can, he doesn't tell me exactly what's getting ready to happen, but he prepares me for what's going to happen. Are y'all seeing that difference there? He didn't tell you, because you know, God would have told us some of the stuff that God was going to take us through. Someone said, I'm going in another direction. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, no. <laughs> and that road said shadow of death, brother taking the detour. But what does God do? He said, you know, I'm going to prepare you. I'm not showing you all the bumps and the, and the turns and the, all the things that are around this road. How many run on the road? He's like, man, this is a curvy road right here. I remember we in California, we was riding on the side of that mountain. And people could tell we were guests because we are going 10 to 15 miles an hour. Crawling. Crawling. Because it was a, listen, over that cliff was no forgiveness. No, none whatsoever. And so we took our tire riding. And so when people come behind, they were blowing the horn. Uh, 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 uh. You think we cared? <laughs> Not a lick. And so what they did was, they, they knew the road, we didn't. And so they just sped around it. No problem whatsoever. I will pull over and let you go around me. Why? Because I didn't know the road. Well, this is what God does. He knows you're going to be on stuff like this, and he knows the way. Some people are going to pass you. 
But don't get offended by that. Don't get upset by that because they've been through this before. They've been through sickness before. They've been through lying before. They've been through anger before. They've been through it. Don't get mad with them because they're passing you. Just according to your faith being unto you. Let God continue to lead and to guide you through the process. Okay? There's not a scenario that the Holy Spirit does not know fully that he cannot guide us through as believers. He knows the best possible route as well as the outcome. Even when we're trying to go through and get ready to give up, sometimes give in. The Holy Spirit knows the best direction for us and his desired outcome according to the word of God. See, remaining prepared and preparing yourself in the presence of God will strengthen us while we're in the process of better. While we're in the process, the process is a series of steps taken to achieve a particular end. See, God's taking us through a process. And every time you get in the presence of God, let me say this to you, you're going to come out better than when you first got in there. You're going to come out better. This is what David saw in Psalm 16, verse 11. Yeah, I know I'm in the presence, but in the presence of God, let me say the outcome, I'm going to be better. Notice how he said that latter part, the fullness of joy. I'm telling you, God's going to make your life better when you get in his presence. Therefore, it's imperative we come into a sanctuary like this and we allow the presence of God to rest, rule, and abide in here. So in turn, when we come in the sanctuary, it's not just a singing, it's not just hearing me uh, talk, but it's in the presence of God. So your family will be better, you will be better, your life will be better, you'll think better, you'll talk better, and you'll act better. You're going to be better. Because why? I believe the presence of God is here. I wouldn't even come if I did. And listen, I sh- we had to shut it down. In fact, if God, y'all pretty much know by now what God's been doing for us for all these years, that his presence is here. Because we pray. We don't take it for granted. We worship God in spirit and in truth. We pray and we invite his presence in. Well, that's it. He's already, I know he's here, but I want him to manifest his presence. I want him to touch every individual in this sanctuary. I want to touch from the youngest to the oldest. I mean, listen, you ain't got to tell me what's going on. God knows what's going on. And he's going to answer your, give you answers that you're looking for. In fact, some of us, he already has given us answers to because he said, listen, I need for you to be in my presence. I need for you to be in your presence, just not just on Sunday morning, but I need you Monday. I need you Tuesday. I need you Wednesday. I need you Thursday. I need you riding down the road. Say, hey, God, what we talk, what we got to talk about today? Oh, on a Wednesday morning. God, what are we going to talk about today? Why? Because his presence is going to make the difference in our lives. It's going to cause us to achieve and walk in better. Better is a more excellent, effective way, type, or quality. One superior superior in ability. And I like this definition, to improve an existing level of achievement. To improve an existing level of achievement. Of achievement. Let me give you one quick example. Go to Luke 11 and 1. Luke 11 and 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, the disciples were praying, but he said, teach us to pray. You know what? Improve my prayer life. Improve how I talk to you. Improve how I 
communicate with the Father. I won't see one definition of prayer is to get God involved. Teach me how, how to get you involved in every area of my life. I know I'm praying, but I need I need to be more effective in my prayer. I need a better prayer life. And so he says, Lord, teach us to pray. I'm praying, but teach me how to pray more effectively. Are y'all seeing that? And this is what God is doing in our life. When we come before him in his presence, he is teaching us how to pray, how to do things better. Even when going through the even when going through the outcome described in scripture, we are taught so much through the process that the journey is well worth the trip. Let me say this to you. Most of the time, you're going to walk in process before you walk in the manifestation. Process can take a long time. Can I give you one quick example? Woman had the issue of blood for a long time. Her healing took place just like but that process, she learned how, let me tell you, she learned how to dig deep and get go to God, didn't she? That woman learned some stuff. I'm telling you, she learned some stuff. Because she had that issue of blood, the Bible says, for 12 years. That's a long time. That is a long time. But in the end, though, she got a healing. But she went through that process, though. Remember, she spent all that she had in the process. She learned that, hey, I know doctors okay, but I got to trust God more than I trust doctors. She learned through that process. And we have to learn through the process too. And I believe our process for each one of us is different based on our level of better in our lives. See, better finance to you may not be the same as better finance for, for me. Better health or health mentally as well as physically for you may not be the same as better health physically or mentally for you. Better marriage for you may not be the same as a better marriage for me. Better relationships with God may not be the same as a babe in Christ as it would be for a senior minister or an, el- or an elder. However, the key component is better. The process is necessary for us to access our better. See, being in the presence of God and being prepared and ready to hear and obey his guides will help us along the way. We Now, we're going to look at a man that experienced what I consider better. His name is Cornelius. So go with me to the book of Acts chapter 10. The book of Acts chapter 10. In fact, as we look at that, I believe that Cornelius recognized the importance and benefit of being in the presence of the Lord. Now, Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 1. There was a certain man in Sisera called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. Now, we look at a man named Cornelius. He was a centurion. A centurion is an officer in the Roman army. Now, when he was in the Italian, excuse me, he was stationed in Italy. He was an Italian regiment. Now, a regiment, from what my my brief study on this is consisted of approximately 100 soldiers he was in command of. Now, some believe he was actually over several regiments. Some believe anywhere he had anywhere from 600 to 900 soldiers in his watch. But he was what some people consider of the group that you did, really didn't talk to Jesus about. You didn't witness to them about that. It was not your thing to do. 
So in the natural, some would say that Cornelius was not a candidate for the gospel he preached to. In fact, when we're, we're going to learn a little bit later as we study Acts chapter 10, in part, that Peter, who would end up ministering to Cornelius, did not believe in these individuals should have the gospel preached to them. So at times, even good-hearted Christians can have prejudice against people in their own minds. They won't, they won't witness the folks because they don't feel they are of a certain way they should be. And y'all know that that's not, just not the way God does it. You know that God would tell you to pray for your enemies? I have about four amens right now. Let me say that one more time. God will have you to pray for people that do not like you. In fact, he will put them in your life just to see how saved you really are. And guess what he'll do? He'll lock their blessing into you praying for them. I'm there ready to cut, cut off the mic now, but it's too late. You heard it now. You can't unhear it. You got to learn how to pray. I mean, I remember working at a job. I said, Lord, I don't like these folks because they don't like me. But you know what? God said, pray for them. I did not ask your opinion of who you liked or who you don't like. And when I learned to pray for them, I got a release coming. But I had to learn how to pray for them first. Thank God for Jesus being our Lord and Savior. And he knows how to save people despite us. Now, Cornelius, we learn, has some unique qualities and some unique um, he was a unique man, I should say to least. Notice in Acts chapter 10, verse 2. Let me read that to you. A devout man and one who feared God while all his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Notice this, he was a devout man. He was a godly man. One who feared God or reverenced God or, or he had reverential obedience to God. He was, a, listen, he had enough fear that he was, he did not disrespect God. And not only for him, but his household. And see, Cornelius was one who had reverential respect for God to the point that he would spend time with God. See, if you really say you reverence God, you're going to spend time with him. If you say you reverence God, you're going to spend time with him. Don't tell me you reverence God, but you spend no time with him. Don't tell me you are, uh, I love you, honey. I love my wife. I love her, but I spend no time with her. Had family week, but I spent no time with my wife. That's a sign of what you should not be doing. He referenced God not just in words or at church, but his lifestyle spoke of his obedience to God. His actions match his words. Not just publicly, but privately. We have to be careful to be true to ourselves and not to do things publicly, publicly, publicly one way, but secretly or privately think, talk, and act differently. We, we serve a loving God. And if you love God publicly, hey, don't mess around privately and, and stir up mischief. Cause strife and division in family, church, or at your place of business. 
Cornelius was a devout man. He was known to be a godly man, not a perfect man, but he was godly man. When we say we respect God, it should be evident in our decision making, our conversations, and our actions. If you say you love God, respect God. Respect God. If you say you love God, respect Him. Respect Him. Listen, I know people gonna want do all kinds of things, but you know what? When you get ready to eat your food, pray over your food. When you get ready to do certain things, respect God. Publicly, just like you do privately. Cornelius had a reputation as being a man who respected and reverenced God. His belief was he respected and reverenced God. Listen, everybody's opinion held about him was a man that respected and reverenced God. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. The scripture indicates that Cornelius' reputation was so evident in, in his actions that his household followed him. See, Cornelius' household feared God. His household feared God. His household represented his house and the occupants in his house. Some even thought that it represented the soldiers that served under him. They also feared God because of what Cornelius had done. To me, this is a sample of a believer who has devoted to God. He was devout. And one definition I like about this, he was consistent in fulfilling godly duties. He was consistent in that. He made an impact on his entire household because of what his devotion to God. And head of household, we need to make sure that we're operating and act in a manner that leads our household to fear and reverence God rather than neglect and disrespect God. If your household followed you, would they respect God or disrespect God? Would they be saying, my God, they say they love God. They raise their hand on Sunday. They give, but their actions don't seem like they respect God. See, Cornelius did not allow his duties and responsibilities as a Roman soldier hinder him from referencing God. At times, we can allow blessings and promotions to take us away from God and the things of God to the point it causes others to wonder what is the source of our blessing. But not Cornelius. He was a soldier in the Italian regiment, but clearly he was a soldier for God a high-ranking official that wanted a deeper relationship with Jesus. And this is imperative that we understand. Cornelius wanted a deeper relationship with Jesus. He wanted that. He, he had one, but he wanted something deeper with God. He had a good, we're going to see it in just a moment. He had a great relationship with God, in my opinion. In fact, one, some of us probably should Envy to a certain point, but he still wanted more from God. And let me say this to you. God still had more to give him. If you want more from God, God has more to give you. If you want more from God, God has more to give you. God does not run out because you want more. He is not slack concerning his promises. 
Cornelius was disciplined, determined, purposeful, respectful, courageous, loyal, and a person of integrity. Cornelius was an example to people in and outside of his household. No doubt Cornelius had knowledge and understanding of what it meant to be prepared in the presence of the Lord. We also see the benefits of being in his presence. We also can see uh, he was a ready and active participant when it came to what we consider two more additional traits as he was the head of the household. He gave generously to the poor. He bestowed or provided alms, alms and donations to the poor, charitable works, and he did it generously. He did it in a large amount to many different people. One thing, as I was thinking about this, I'm kind of give you a quick thing that um, happened to me a long time ago. When I was in high school, there was a lady, um, maybe yeah, high school, somewhere in that neighborhood. She would just come up to me and she would just encourage me. And, and, and another way she encouraged me was she would encourage you. She, she would help me. Say, if you need help, I'm there to help you. She then know what you do. She put a little money in my pocket. And let me say this to you. Once you've been helped, you can't say you've never been helped before. Let me say that to you again. Once you've been helped, you can't say nobody's never helped you. She helped. I mean, she, she encouraged me. Now, this is what the thing about it. I can't even tell you if I spent the money in a good way. Can't tell you if I did or not. I do know this. Her helping me in high school, I still have not forgotten about her help. She died this past week. And I went to, my wife and I went to the viewing. And when I got to uh, her husband, talked to him for a moment, then I got to the daughter. And the daughter said, you know what, I've heard about 50 stories about my mother helping people along the way. If she heard 50, there are probably a hundred more that she hadn't even heard about. Her mother would just go around just helping people. Now, let me say this to you. Let me add a little more context to this. She was a Caucasian lady. She was having brothers like me who were, and I was poor, peeled, had no money. (laughs) And she would put money in my pocket. She would help me along the way. And so when she would help me, I didn't think nothing about it because, you know, I was, I was, I'm a teenager. I'm a, I'm a junior, senior in high school. I would buck wild. Let's get the breakdown where it was. I'll buck wild. Uh, the thing was, though, she helped me. And I, and no matter what I did, I could not forget the fact that she helped me. I could run wild, do all kinds of things and, she helped me. I mean, I sinned a lot after, after she helped me, but I still can't get away from the fact that she helped me. And so I was reflecting on her life and so forth, and I said, you know what, Lord, I never really paid her back. I know she never asked for anything back, but I never paid her back. But then he showed me, you pay her back by taking care of your family. You pay her back by helping other people in the community. You pay her back by helping somebody else along the way who needs a helping hand. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying here? 
Can you imagine the number of people that Cornelius impacted? Now, we know when you help some people, they might not even tell you thank you. But there's some people who are grateful and, and, and for your help. They say, you can make it. They say, hey, you can do it. Now, I had, I, I was blessed. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was helped by a lot of different people. And uh, I, I tell you what, I believe it worked. And I know some people don't work, but that's for the ones it does work for, the ones who are helped, how do you pay these people back? By doing right, by loving God, by helping others, and so forth. Can you imagine the, the impact that Cornelius has made on the lives of people around him? Can you imagine the impact that he made that, and we're going to read in a few minutes here, that it, his giving made an impact on God? Now, hold on now. Not the church, not his family, but it impacted God. The Bible says a little bit later that he gave so much that God said, it's come as a memorial before me. The impact he made, not just on his life, but on the lives of others. Now, second thing he did was he prayed to God always. He prayed. He had a two-way conversation with God. He got God involved always, continually and constantly. See, he did, now let me say this, see, don't, don't twist this because we're going somewhere with this, but he did all this without the Holy Spirit. One can see he was willing to grow, though, in his consistency with God and would take him further in his spiritual journey. See, he was at one level, but God said, I'm going to take you to another level. Why? Because your prayers and your giving has came up for a memorial before me. I said, God, that's powerful. And some people say, have the Holy Spirit and don't give like he gives. Some people have the Holy Spirit and don't pray like he prays. The powerful impact that Cornelius made in the lives of his people. And see, in my opinion, Cornelius' activities prepared him and his household for what God had for them. See, sometimes our activities that we do for God today prepares us for the greatness of tomorrow. The activities that we do today prepares us for the greatness of tomorrow. Matthew 25 and 23 reads as follows. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. If you've been faithful, you've been trustworthy, you can be relied on over a few things. I will make you ruler. I will put you in charge over many things. Let me say this to you. This principle holds true according to the word of God. But notice the progression of Cornelius. Oh, let me say something before I go into that part. Nobody knows how long your process is. But God. I was thinking about this. Cornelius was a giver and he prayed and he was a devout man. But nobody knows how long he did it. So you can't get weary in well-doing. For in due season, you're going to reap if you faint not. 
So everybody understands that sometimes you have to do some things in order to get to the greater things. So you got to be a consistent giver in order to see the bigger blessing coming your way. That comes from God now. Now you can give and the enemy can bless you. I mean, that's, oh, bless you or whatever you want to call it, cause you to increase. I don't really call it a blessing because it comes from the enemy. But if you're faithful over what God tells you to do, he's going to bless you with much. In our life, we become faithful before we have the many. We become faithful before we have the many. Remember, it's the process. It's the process that we go through. Faithful over few, God will bless you with much. Now, what Cornelius did, Acts chapter 10, verse 3 and verse 4, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Now, know something. The angel knew Cornelius' name. He knew his name. That means, in my opinion, he, God, excuse me, this was not Cornelius' first time praying. He had a relationship with God that he prayed on a consistent basis. That's what it says there in Acts chapter 10 and verse 2 and verse 4. And he, and when he observed him, he was afraid. But no Cornelius' response. He didn't say, what is it, devil? He didn't say, loose me, devil. He knew exactly who it was. Because he said this, what is it, Lord? What is it, Messiah? What is it, the one who has control over everything? What is it that you want from me? I'm saying, God, if this man knows this much, he has spent time with God. He had been in the presence of God. This was not something he did one time and then he just quit. No, this was his lifestyle. This was, he fulfilled Psalm 16 and verse 11 in his presence. He stayed in the presence of God. So when, when God got ready to call him, he could call him by his first name. And then he could say, hey, Lord, excuse me, Cornelius could say, what is it, Lord? Like they, they had talked before. You ever had somebody to tap you on the back and you might jump, but you knew, when you saw who it was, you said, oh, it's just you, ain't it? But if you didn't know it, that'd be a different story, wouldn't it? Somebody sneaking up on you, talking about tapping you on the shoulder, like, because you what? You'd be on guard, wouldn't you? But if you know them, oh, it's just you. And you might hug them, you might do whatever. Why? Because you know them. I believe Cornelius knew who God was. And it was evident by what he said. So Cornelius had such a relationship with God that the angel of God knew him by name. Not only that, Cornelius was so in tune with God that although he was afraid, he responded to him by calling him Lord. And the angel of the Lord spoke to him about his prayer life. Now, if God would speak to us about our prayer life, I wonder what he would say. What would he say? Well, you, you ain't prayed in a long time. You just prayed five minutes all last week. You didn't study hardly any last week. What would God say about our prayer life? What would he say about our giving? What would he say about our worship time? Only time you, you talked to me was when you came to church. I didn't hear nothing back from you for six days. Six days you didn't talk to me one time. You did not pull out one CD, not one tape, one podcast, 
one video, you did not do anything. What is the one we say about us? And now you come and you want something from it. You never had them kin folks, or you might not have kin folks like this. Only time they call you when they want something. Only time when they, when their number pop up, like when they listen when their number pop up, you like, oh Lord, what's your response? They want something. They want something. That's time you gotta let it go to voicemail, cause God ain't ready to deal with the folks right now. Oh Lord, leave it, get out of there. But why? Cause don't spend no time with you. It, it'll be something else if they called you and they wish you well, told you happy birthday or stuff like that. But now, only time they call you is when Cornelius also recognized it was the Lord who was talking to him. Even before he received the Holy Spirit, he knew the voice of God. At times, we have the Holy Spirit have a hard time knowing the voice of God, even ourselves. Let me say this to you. The Lord did not want Cornelius to sell off for the experience that he was on. But he wanted him to have a deeper relationship with him. Why? Cornelius was faithful. He was faithful in his relationship. He was a devout man. He feared God. He prayed and he gave. What a powerful combination. And he said, hey, I'm going to take you, not only you, Cornelius, higher, but I'm going to take your entire household higher. Man, will our relationship with God Take not only us higher, but will it take our entire household higher? Will it take all of them to a deeper relationship with God? I mean, some of them come to church because you make them come to church. But they come to the day where they have to make their own decision on whether or not they want to come to church. I grew up with a mama that it wasn't no choice whether or not you was going to church or not. Do you feel like coming to church today? Never ask that question. Never heard anything that sounded remotely like that. You know what it was? You in my household, I'm buying your groceries, I'm paying these bills in here. Get up. <laughs> that was in the conversation. That was in the conversation. But what about when you get to that point where you got to have your own relationship with God? When you're paying your own bills, when you're living in your own house, you got to set your own alarm and you got to make sure you got to have a relationship with Jesus. Where will you be at then? Where will you be at then? Again, Acts 10 and 4. And when he observed him, he was afraid. What is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your arms have come up for a memorial before God. In other words, a remembrance before God. Something that is established to remind people of a person or an event. This has came up before God. The Lord told Cornelius, your prayers and your giving has come up. They have ascended up. They have risen up above what you see in the natural. Your prayers and your arms have risen up as a memorial before God. We know that our giving is changing our living, but it's also an established reminder before for God of who we are. I give him. Says God I respect you. God I love you. God I'm not going to let these te- this, this 10% stop me in my relationship with you. Oh no. Ain't no way in the world. 10%? 10%? 10%. I would ask the question. And I know the answer to it because I, I, I ain't going to ask it. Some of us wouldn't even stop for a sale that said 10%. Wouldn't even stop. I mean, that, this is, why they waste their paper? Put a, listen, sometimes when I go in certain stores, I, I look at the discount rack, and I see 
how much they got off. And when they say uh, it was originally fifty dollars, but now forty five, I say, man, y'all, y'all, you don't want to get rid of it. But when it's fifty dollars and down to five dollars, oh, you ready to get rid of that? I remember I had bought some stuff to give away. It was originally like twenty dollars. It was a dollar. I picked up about twenty of them and gave them away because that's the deal. And I was, I said, that's a good seed to sow in somebody's life. Our giving should be in such a way that the Lord himself does not forget our giving. Listen, people may forget what you give. I may forget what you give. The church may forget what you give. Your own family may forget what you give. But God will not forget your labor of love. He'll not forget what you give. Listen, you should be in the position. Now, if you're robbing God, you want him to forget. You need to repent and say, God, forget me when I robbed you. Please have mercy on my soul. But when you give and you give out of your heart, you give the right way. You don't want God to forget your giving. You don't want God to forget your sacrifices. You don't want God to forget your labor of love that you even when you went down the road and you bought somebody a meal. A homeless person or even a neighbor or a friend or a loved one. You bought them a meal. You don't want God to forget it. You don't want God to forget the times you sacrifice your time and your energy to get to a place. You don't want God to forget it. And this is what's coming before Cornelius. God did not forget his giving. And I truly believe there are some people in the sanctuary. God has not forgotten about your giving. He not he did not forget when you gave him that tithe and that extra offering. God has not forgotten. God has not forgotten the time where you gave God his tithes and that good offering. And I mean, you sacrificed. It, it, it may not seem like much to everybody else, but it was a lot to you. God did not forget it. You know that time you gave and it was a sacrifice? It was something that you said, you know what? It, it, it was only $100. You said it was only $100, but that $100 was a lot of money to you. And God says, I have not forgotten your sacrifice. Do you think about all the times that Cornelius gave and it got the attention of God? Can we be in that position that when we give, we get the attention of God? Not, I'm talking about, not in a negative way, but in a good way. Oh, we said, God, it came as a memorial. Can you imagine what kind of giving that is? Can you imagine his praying in such a way that it came as a memorial before God? I mean, that's prayer. I want to pray that every time I pray that God says, you know what? I honor everything he said from the time he started to the time he said amen. I honor everything he said. Because why? He prayed not his will, but my will be done. Can you say when you pray that God honors your prayers? Does God honor your giving? If not, repent and get it right. Get it right. I mean, that's all I'm asking every all of us to do. Change the way we think, the way we talk, the way we act. How? By being in his presence. By being in his presence, God can teach you how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray as you taught, as John taught his disciples. As Pastor Dobbs teaches, Lord, teach me how to pray. 
Because I want every prayer to be answered. I don't want not one prayer that we pray that's in line with the will of God not to be answered. I'm, when I'm praying for your healing, I don't need to play around for your, your healing. When I pray for you to prosper, I don't need to pray mess around with your prosperity. I, when I'm praying divine protection over this membership, over this congregation, over the people of God, I don't need that to be messed around with. Because we all need divine protection the day we're living in. Because you don't know what people got out there. Walking in, listen, your local. There was a tragedy that happened here just recently. Three children lost their life. Not far from here. Three children lost their life. We need God's divine protection. Divine protection. Why? Because there's so much going on. And only God knows how to, to really protect us like we should. Let me finish this up. I know I'm going over, but just stay with me. Stay with me. I believe that Cornelius' action was a setup for God to show up in even a greater way and change his life for the better. And God has prepared a man to give Cornelius his next steps. I thought this was interesting because to read over in Acts chapter 10 and verse 5, now send men to Joppa. And send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He says, listen, now send men to Joppa and send a call to go. Call Simon. Call for a person named Simon. And you're going to read on the next few verses. He knew exactly where Simon was at. He knew exactly what, what house Simon was in. He knew exactly where Simon, I mean, listen, Simon can hear, he could be in the best witness protection program in the United States. He can hide from God. He couldn't hide from God. And let me say this to you. You can't hide from God neither. I mean, when you read that chapter, uh, verse, I think it's verse, Acts chapter 10, verse 6 and 7. He said, listen, go get Peter. Peter is living in a house with Tanner, a man named Tanner. He over there by the sea. He in the house, listen, he in the house right there. He told him exactly where he was at. He said, now go sit, go get him. Go get him. Let me tell you something. God knows who has your next word for you. God knows who has his next word for you. If God tell you to go to 3097 South Van Worth Road, Billerica, Georgia, 30180, because God got a word for you next Sunday morning when we talk about the rest of this chapter. But listen, <laughs> glory, that he knows what he got for you. Let me tell you something. All of this happened because Cornelius was in the presence of God. And even next Sunday, God says, you know what? I'm going to tell you more about this. But how is this going to be? Because you're in my presence. As you read Acts chapter 10 this week, you'll say, okay, this is what Pastor I'm going to talk about. Holy Spirit going to reveal some more stuff to us. But notice what it's going to be. In his presence. In his presence. God is bringing us together. But notice why he's bringing us together. Let's think about the purpose. Let's think about the purpose. Think about the purpose. He's bringing us together so we can be better. God would not call us together if he's not going to make us better. God doesn't waste time like other people do. He don't. Let me tell you, if God calls you to prayer, it's going to make you better. If God calls you to worship, it's going to make you better. If God calls us to assemble together, Hebrews 10, 25, it's going to make us better. 
How many agree with that? It's going to make you better when we come together. When we give, it's going to make us better. Is that right? I mean, I mean, is that real? Why give your tithes and your offering if it's not going to make you better? What he says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shaking together and run it over. Shall men give it to your bosom? You're a whole lot better off when you give when you rob. It's when you rob God. Everybody understand? It's going to make us what? It's going to make your marriage what? It's going to make your single life what? It's going to make your relationships what? It's going to make you what? Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.